I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. Ah, yes. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers what? from colorful backgrounds. Yep, that's right, y'all. It is still the same podcast that you've been listening to for almost three years, more than three years, yeah. some length of time oh god it has been more than three years oh jesus wild and also if this is your first episode hi marcy (laughs) you know also totally fine you have not been here the whole time right right they're like oh man we we missed missed all the episodes well you know consider it a rerun but anyway so (laughs) speaking of reruns we're back for another episode of our summer short series Uh, yes indeed and essentially for those who are new or just you know just a quick reminder this is basically just Mm -hmm. over the summer we just do truly y'all whatever the fuck we want so you know usually we give like a novel moment but over the summer it could be a short story it could be a graphic Mm. novel it could be a play (gasps) and speaking of plays that's actually what we're doing today so we're actually going to be because we actually haven't read a play i think since mule bone which my god um (laughs) No wonder it's been a minute because Mulebaum just Jesus. Anyway, um, yeah. so like, although this one, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. I don't know. Plays just may not be. You know what? It's fine. Um, yeah. So we're gonna be reading a play called King Liz by Fernanda Coppel. And so just gonna give a little bit of background on Fernanda and just kind of go into the things from there. So. Fernanda was born in Mazatlan, Sinaloa, Mexico, and received her MFA in dramatic writing at NYU and was a fellow of the Leela Achison Wallace Playwriting Fellowship Program at Juilliard. Come on, Juilliard, period. Uh, mm. Anyway, um, her play, her play, <laughs> King Liz, her play, King Liz, which we'll be reading today, um, received its world premiere at Second Stage Theater in an acclaimed what? extended runover during the summer of 2015 and her professional NYD debut, Chimichangas and Zoloft, premiered at Atlantic Theatre Company in 2012. Fernanda has been awarded Prigonis' Theatre's Asuncion Playwrights Project Prize, the 2012 HOLA Award for Outstanding Achievement in Playwriting, and the 2012 Helen Merrill Award for Playwriting. Her TV staffing credits include HBO Max's Generation, which, by the way, um, it, mm. we actually talked about Generation on Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. Give, give Brandon did. a shout out there. Um, as well as Queen of the South. Uh, Jason Katim's Rise, How to Get Away with Murder, and FX's The Bridge, among many others. So, Fernanda, I mean, true to this. True to this. Ain't new to Mm. shit. You know what I mean? Like, just just clearly been in the game for a minute, and we love to see it. Um, We do. So, yeah. So, that's what we're going to be reading today. It's true. But, before we get to the summary, I have a... Question. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. What is your question, friends? Yeah. So today we're reading kind of about corporate culture. Oh god. And climbing the I know and climbing the corporate ladder. Oh my god. Oh yeah. And see, <laughs> you see from our size and grumbles that we have experience in this area. And my question is, what about corporate culture feels? bad to us what what is happening in that culture that perhaps doesn't speak to the colorfulness of everyone's personalities or comfort in interacting with it Mm. 
So, I mean, shit, at this point, I mean, this might have to become a tangent episode because the way we, I could literally talk for three <laughs> hours about this shit, honey. Okay, let me just, mm. okay. So, where do, oh my God, where do I even begin? First of all, I feel like, I feel like a lot of corporate culture, and the thing is corporate, I, I think for myself, when I think about that term, it's not even always like a corporate or private sector like commentary. Mm. I, I actually spent most of my career working in nonprofits. I feel like a lot of them actually had a very corporate culture as well. Um, yeah, I think that's true. I, I think the biggest thing that doesn't feel great is just the, I feel it's, it's very limited as far as expression, right? Like even just the mm. idea, I, I think we try to normalize this idea that like, oh, well, you know, at work, you have to say something. You got to say it professionally. Like, you know, I got to say it in like professional speak. And like, you know, I got to like, right. I can't like just say exactly how I feel. And I'm like, but why? Like if the idea is that we're supposed to come together and like be innovative and like come up with like whatever solutions, like if I can't even like express basic thoughts to you without doing some weird code switch, like mm-hmm. how am I supposed to access creativity? You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, and even in that, I think it's just a very, it's just very exclusionary, right? Because it's like, yeah. if you know how to quote unquote play the game or like, you know, code switch in that way or like show up in a way that like, you know, white cishet men whoever the fuck is like running shit like if that they approve of like that gives you capital but it's like if you didn't really have access to that type of socialization or of like that culture feels totally unfamiliar yeah for whatever reason it's like you're just on the outs for that and it's not even and it's funny because like i feel like a lot of corporate spaces try to act as though everything is fair and they're like they're just like these perfect mm. paragons of like perfection and getting the work done it's like it's it's, it's an a, objectivity it, right objectivity it's all about just the optic and looking smart and looking like you know what you're talking about and like looking like you're the authority when really like basic shit is not happening here right like it's like you can't even <laughs> like you like compassion is just on e like there's just no sense of like true care for the work and it's all just about I think my biggest thing with a lot of corporate spaces is that I think there's not a lot of accountability, right? I think people Mm. do a lot of really fucked up things, a lot of just very psychologically, emotionally, right, cruel, just emotionally manipulative things. And they'll use the workplace or professionalism or like, oh, you know, it's for the business as an excuse to justify just truly heinous behavior. Um, yeah. I think we actually see it. We see some of this actually in the play, which we'll talk about in a second. But like, it, it, it's 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 an easy cop out, right? It's like, oh well, like mm-hmm. I did it for business, and it's like, but and if you use that as an excuse, you don't have to really reckon with the actual, the very real harm that is happening to people in these types yeah. of spaces, like. Operating yeah. in a toxic work environment, like, is legitimately bad for your health. Like, actually is deleterious to, like, our bodies and, like, how we It'll show up you. in space. It, it actually will kill you. And so I think people don't, if they if they don't remember that, like, if they do remember that, they just don't care, you know? Or, like, there's just, like, this idea yeah. that, like, whatever, who cares? And, like, I think there's just a very haves and have-nots kind of culture in a lot of workplaces. And it's not even about who does the best work or who actually you know, has the best ideas or like is actually helpful for the team. Like whose presence can actually like help lead us to a better space. But it's Mm -hmm. all about like, how do you show up? Do I like you? Like, mm, like you, you, the way you express yourself or the way you show up, like makes me feel insecure or like, mm, you're actually doing your job better than I do my job. But it's weird because I'm like in a higher position than you. So like that makes me feel insecure. It's it's a lot of just insecurity and like fuckery and just Mm. nonsense that makes it just so it's like it it, it almost feels like none of this is even about work it's just it's about like pageantry it's about like yeah being read a certain way and like i don't know just being able to 
to finesse. It's just, I don't know. It, it's not a culture that I respect or see in high regard clearly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and I think too, I mean, I'm also someone who has been, I'm more so a have not in every sort of workspace I've been in, right? Like I, like I've never really been in a space in a workplace where I felt like I truly belonged. Um, mm. And it's one of those things where like, I'm, People say that they have that experience. I feel like they're lying sometimes because I'm like, hey, does anyone feel like they belong? But like, I guess people legitimately feel like they belong at work. I've literally never felt that way. But like, so for me, it's one of those things where I can just easily observe, like, no matter what it was that I brought to the table or even the ways in which I was being complimented for my work, like, it was always an issue with how I showed up or people just didn't right. like, you know, my confidence or whatever. It was just, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a very harmful space environment and i feel I like people i think there's this idea that people use just for self-delusion really that's just kind of like okay well i'm just playing the game you just gotta play the game whatever whatever right. and i'm like it ceases it's not a game anymore girl like if you this is just a game this is just who you are at this point yeah. and like it is what it is you know what i mean like i just i i think we need to stop deluding ourselves into believing that somehow yes. If I just like if I just play the game that I'm like somehow maintaining my integrity when it's like you're giving that up right. actually for the position of power. So Ooh, Marcy. Yeah. And not even for the position of power. You're giving it up and deluding yourself that you're not by saying it's just a game. I'm just, you know, like I have to play it this way. I have to but it's not who I am. Right. I was I was talking to a relative and I was like, you know, because people will be like, you know, I don't really like golf, but I went to like please the partner and it's like, okay, but like what if you <laughs> <laughs> after like six years right like mm -hmm. <laughs> you just play golf <laughs> like, right you can't be like i'm just playing the game you're like you've invested six six years you could have a kid in six years you could Come have on. a six-year-old in six years like you could have a whole new you know skill set which you mm -hmm. do in golf which apparently you hate. right <laughs> like you can't and any time invested in something is giving a part of yourself too and i think corporate mm -hmm. culture tries to make this divide between your corporate life and your real quote-unquote life there is no separation between your life and your work you are what you do I, you mm -hmm. know that's the communist cr critique of capitalism like this mm. um uh what's it called like not isolation alienation of labor right mm -hmm. that's the critique so you get to this point where you need to escape your own life under the corporate system um mm -hmm. So you're totally, I totally agree with you. Look, I I have no love for corporate America either. I mean, I participate in corporate America because I'm um, just looking at this, this, this rent that's due every month, but, um, and, you know, but, but I think there's a difference between having to live in this capitalist system, which we all have to, and believing in capitalism. Mm. Um, I think capitalism as a philosophy, and I don't mean like trade, like I feel like people confuse capitalism with like, people buying and selling stuff people have been buying and selling things since antiquity that doesn't mm -hmm. buying and selling things does not equate to capitalism capitalism is a philosophy frankly that stems from a colonialism um, a commodification of people mm -hmm. into numbers and statistics to serve usually and typically someone who is not part of the community or even the country <laughs> um, <laughs> frankly for the benefit of the exploitation Literally. of people like that's what it is and i think when you look at capitalism and colonialism as intertwined in the same thing you know branches of the same tree you realize mm -hmm. that its main root is fear fear 
in violence and as you said earlier insecurity and so it's it becomes these spaces mm-hmm. these corporate spaces where everyone's afraid and we're not even sure what we're afraid of <laughs> we're just f- afraid well of course we're afraid mm-hmm. of losing our jobs and not having the money to take care of ourselves and basic human rights especially in america when there's absolutely no safety net but um but there's just <laughs> even when people feel like they're on stable ground they still feel this fear this psychological fear that's in, you know this almost abusive fear um and 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 that's awful right like uh, yeah. i think people should normalize the idea of workplace abuse more come I think on should, yeah come yeah on, absolutely friends. because it has the same it has the same sign first of all you're with these people for hours of your day most of your day Mm -hmm. of course if your co-workers are triangulating you or your boss is particularly critical of you if people are making a space where you're always the scapegoat of course Mm -hmm. that's abuse (laughs) and of course it's having a psychological effect but the idea is like well this isn't about emotions we we don't have to be friends here Mm -hmm. that takes this like role of um, excusing just heinous behavior heinous shit heinous and you know it's it's not okay and then people take that with them outside of the workplace like and then people bring their insecurities from outside of the workplace into the workplace. you know like mm-hmm. there is no separation there is no there is no and there's no point where you're not responsible for your morality. I'm sorry, there's no point. It does not matter if you're in a workplace. It does not matter if no one's ever going to know what you did. You are responsible for what you do at any given point. And I think capitalism tries to give us the delusion that we're not. And that 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 I think is what makes corporate culture so gross. Like you said, that lack of accountability. Mm. And I just want to add that that like bowing down to fear Mm. Um, so anyway that's as you can see we all have strong feelings about corporate america which (laughs) (laughs) one we like super love it like Like, literally corporate girly like love that shit yes like corporate marcy i love capitalism me too um so yeah no friend you i am so i'm so happy you just said that And, and and i will say i do think that like I feel like there is more common, or at least it might just be the circles I'm in. I don't know. But like, I feel like there's more mm-hmm. language where people describe workplaces as toxic. And I feel like they're, the people are talking more about like, oh, yeah, oh no, this is just an abusive dynamic. Or like, this is just like an yeah. openly volatile and manipulative dynamic. And ultimately, I don't know, like, will those critiques, what's, what's interesting is that like, shit, I don't go fuck. So I, I work at a place, um, you know, right now where like, allegedly we're supposed to be the solution to to these types Mm. of issues right like we're supposed to work with places to be better as far as like you know things like inclusion and making sure that people belong and at the same time we literally do the same toxic shit (laughs) like we literally are perpetrating white supremacy constantly we are literally being racist like we are literally doing all the awful things and i feel like there's a particularly insidious takeaway from that where you're like damn even when i'm trying to be part of the solution or even when i'm trying to like like i thought this is a space where i could be safe it's like right no no that actually wasn't the case at all right and it's just it's funny because it's i don't know i i i i like to think that like there can be such a thing as like at least a place that's like not 
horrendous. Like, I mean, we're, just, we're yeah, still under course. capitalism, but like, I mean, God damn, like there gotta be at least one place where it's like, okay, like we at least, I don't know, like believe we're in like fine. mutual care and like aid for one of another. Course. And like, you know, we give a shit about each other. You know, like I, like I like to think that that is a thing, but <laughs> like I've never experienced it. And I just, I've gotten to a point where I'm like, so every place is terrible. Um, <laughs> it's just a matter of, the nuances of how terrible is just going to, it's just going to depend. You just got to roll the dice a little bit, you know, like you, you just got to <laughs> see what, 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 what comes up. But like, I don't know. I, or at the very least, like this is just this type of culture just permeates into most places and it truly takes yeah. a more exemplary imaginative place to like not give into, give into all of that. Yeah, I think that's and that's what I mean by like capitalism as a philosophy where it's past and and as an extension of colonialism and it's not it it pollutes like everything, right? And it's it's like even spaces where you're like this really shouldn't be under the philosophy of of, of capitalism and exploitation. Mm-hmm. You're like how is how is a coffee shop? You know, of course, obviously, it's easy to imagine how very easily you know exploitation of labor and the service industry. But you're like, I think to your point, we are under the illusion right now that capitalism is the way things have always been and we've projected this like false narrative into history that it's always been but guess what it hasn't which means it won't last forever and Mm. i think part of the work of freeing ourselves is imagining different labor structures which is why you know union movements are so important cooperatives are so important employee employee owned places are so important and even just the idea that again back to you know you are responsible for your actions all of the time <laughs> there right. is no separation of you know the way you make money or capital and the person that you are the morality and again right. i don't want to take this too far because i know a lot of us are really just trying to make that check because we because we live under this umbrella system that requires us work at a job that requires us maybe to even exploit mm-hmm. other people to live but that's what i'm saying but like as we try to imagine more, you know, we, mm-hmm. we break a little bit at this, we, we chip away a little bit at this sort of like collective consciousness that's sort of haunting all of us. And yeah. it's clearly having effects on all of our psychological and physical and emotional well-being. So mm-hmm. honestly, kind of people being able to work from home for a while, I think that's a kind of a blow at the corporate system. There are a lot of things where people are like, wait, I don't have to sit in this. O-. And again, yeah. I know a lot of people still had to sit in offices and do a lot of service work. Mm-hmm. But at, there was at least a point where people were like, wait a second, why am I sitting in this office? Yeah. <laughs> Just so like Jimmy can come and, and you know, with his tie that's not tied correctly and tell me about the spreadsheets. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> with I the do shoes that home. don't match with the suit. Um, <laughs> right. Right. Trying to tell me about his boats. Oh, I don't care God. about boats, Jimmy. Anyway, so right. I, boats are fine. I'm sorry. Boats are fine. Uh, yeah. I I agree, friend. I I agree. So anyway. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And then yeah. we'll come back and talk about this book about capitalism. Sorry, <laughs> 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 Woo! That sent me. Yes, it did. See y'all. <laughs> and 
and R. Woo. Um, so now that we've had a deep... Sorry, uh, you know, I just... Spirit took over for a second. (laughs) Hey, sometimes you gotta add a little something. Come on. You know. Um, Speaking of adding a little something, we're (laughs) back for the summary. (laughs) (laughs) These transitions, Um, Jesus. It's true. But, so, we did a play, as Marcy stated, um, Mm -hmm. in the intro, and this is... Yeah, we'll tell you about it and we'll talk about it. So let's just get into the characters right off the bat. We got Liz Rico, main character, a black mm-hmm. female sports agent in her, you know, in her 40s. Uh, she works at the Candy Agency, which is owned by Mr. Candy, which um, y'all know who Mr. Candy is. Right. And uh, she's basically on, yeah. <laughs> y'all right. even need a description. Girl, Mr. Candy, come on. You. We already know what it is. Come on. Exactly. But Liz, you know, she's on top of her game, quote unquote. She, you know, she is, um, who's it called? The Miranda, um, with the, like, the Devil Wears Prada, you know, when Meryl Streep was, she's that woman, but for sports Oh, God, agencies. I forgot her name. But yeah, yeah, I know you're talking Me about. Me too. Uh, anyway, so she also has an assistant who is the, you know, Anne Hathaway of the situation. She's in her 30s. She's Latina. She has her MBA. She's, she's underpaid and, and she's, you know, she's kind of working a job that kind of is below her her qualifications and also she's just verbally abused by Liz on a regular basis yes. although I think in the corporate context it's like no it's like a snappy witty I don't know I don't know what I would call it just verbal abuse it's, but it's, I think, it's, 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 it's abusive um, and her name is Gabby by the way yeah her name is Gabby but I think in a culture that they're in it's supposed to be like a the Moran like the Devil Wears Prada situation. Then we mm-hmm. have Mr. Candy, who's the CEO of the agency, and who Liz and Gabby both work for. And Liz was kind of his, I don't know, his protege, if you will. Mm-hmm. Kind of probably like she had the same experience with her with Mr. Candy that Gabby is having with her. Yeah. And then there's Freddie Luna, and he's an up and coming basketball player with a checkered pass, which we'll get into. So the play starts with Liz and Gabby working at the agency, and we see Liz very much kind of like runs the show and is like, you know, like kind of that stereotype of like, get that person on the call, cancel my meeting at five. It almost feels a little bit, it almost feels like a little unrealistic, honestly, for how like snappy it is. Like everyone's wearing um, shoulder pads and walking around very briskly, (laughs) but it's 2015, so it's a little confusing. Anyway. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> like with their briefcases and like they're like that, like have their cell phones, and it's like, wait, what? Like, what? What is? The, what, I'm sorry. What, what right? Why? Is the time like, also, why is your cell phone so big? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Why do, does that person have a beeper? Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> right. What is happening? Why? <laughs> what century is this? Anyway, Jesus. So, <laughs> but Liz is making all this money, and um, you know, Gabby is being deeply underpaid for how much work she's doing, and and you know, the conversation of a you know, maybe a pay raise comes up and is quickly dismissed. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Candy walks in and he's basically gives a long spiel about how he, he guesses he'll start caring about his wife and children now, now that he's closer to retirement. <sighs> oh and you're God. like, wow, this feels like a lot of time wasted. If it just now you've started to care about your wife and children, right. but whatever, go off, like, King. My dude, you're 60. <laughs> right this, this this y'all queen like this this the mr candy this y'all look up to not. oh exactly. no oh this no is what, this is our aspiration <laughs> anyway so 
He's like, as I as I retire, I would like to hand down this flaming pile of disgruntled life to you, uh, Liz, if you would like to take it on. And and but to do that, you need to prove to the board that even though you've been working for 23 years at this job and have signed multiple players, that oh you God. can do it as a woman and especially a black woman. Um you're not very likable. <laughs> so he tells her, you, you know, you're kind of a hard ass. Personality. You're like, okay, whatever. There's so there's like 15 things wrong that I don't even want to get started on this one. So to to make up for <laughs> where your where do we even begin? Un- <laughs> right. To make up for your unlikable personality that is caused by you know, oh. capitalism oh and perpetuates it and facilitates it on other people, you should take on this like kind of like tenuous um, up and coming basketball player who's only nineteen mm-hmm. and grew up in the Brooklyn. He kind of has like a troubled past. It, this also seemed a little much, but his father was killed when he was four due to gun violence, and his mm-hmm. mother was deported back to Venezuela uh, by the government. Which, by the way, deporting people is a violence. Just so everybody is clear on how the Color Pages Book Club feels about <laughs> the consistent deportation of. Um, people who live in this country. Uh, I don't fuck with it. Marcy does not fuck with it. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to put that out there. Anyway, he spent his life largely in foster care system. He has four siblings who he's separated from. And he also has this kind of like, I don't know. This this He was accused of battery and the battery's pretty bad. It left one guy paralyzed and one guy blind in one eye or I think without an eye entirely and he swears he's innocent and he was covering for someone else now now, i just before we go any further these are pretty bad injuries right like the Mm -hmm. people that he harmed are are deeply injured (laughs) or the people that were harmed if not by him it sounds like he could have been a friend were deeply injured so you know it's it's not like something you could just you know just walk roll past and (laughs) pretend it didn't have effects on (laughs) people but he he is Freddie is this you know star basketball player no one's ever seen the likes of before. By the way, it's a little weird because he's nineteen and typically star basketball players aren't hired until like somewhere in in the middle of college. It's actually pretty young to recruit a high schooler, from what I understand. I don't know that much about basketball, so mm-hmm. they're kind of that. Basically, it's implied, and both people imply, and later coach Coach John is his name. We didn't really talk much Jones, about Coach John. Coach Jones, we'll get to him. But he kind of implies that like you're taking this kid and putting him into a really tenuous fame situation when he's very immature and it could cause a lot of problems for him. And you're only doing it because it looks good for you and your come up because they basically they're like, he has such an interesting story. The fans will eat it up, which I don't know. People say that a lot about sob stories. I don't know if the public... <laughs> The public's a cruel place. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. much anyone, the attention for sob stories, quote unquote, but people say that a lot. So anyway, that's their plan. It's a bad one. So they go and they meet up with Freddie and, you know, he's obviously young and unaccustomed to like white business practices. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he just is. And Liz keeps, you know, making this come. She's like, I grew up in a, in a, you know, a lower socioeconomic class. Like I understand him. I, I, there's a lot of like, a lot of arguments that I don't love, but we'll talk about in the, the, the discussion section. And so mm-hmm. she leverages her past and her her coming of age as like why she's acting this way towards Freddie, which I don't think is reasonable, but that it's a common thing. It's not. Like we've all seen before. <laughs> um, anyway, so he basically, 
he meets with with Liz, and Liz is like, "I can get you signed to the Knicks," and he's like, "All right, bet. I mean, if you can get me signed to the Knicks, then I guess I'll go with you." And he has all these other recruiters. Mm-hmm. Liz is like, "You don't want those other people. I understand you. I know what you want." You know, she's she's singing him a whole song and dance. It's cu- cookies and cupcakes. Mm-hmm. So Freddie signs. He gets signed to the Knicks, and he 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 meets the coach, Coach Jones. Who's a, kind of a jerk, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. But, and he's like, look, you know, everyone might be sent, telling you how great you are. But when you're on my team, I'm not going to treat you better. Yada, yada, yada. Like, I had tough love, quote unquote. I was like, is anyone not just pausing, you know, the play for a second? And I know it's not the discussion <laughs> section. Freddie is, is 19, trying to take care of four other people who presumably are also minors. Um, his mother has been deported by an aggressive... United States system that also is probably responsible somehow for his father being dead due to gun violence. Actually, we know that's mm-hmm. true. And you guys, you guys want to treat him with tough love? Is that where we want to go? We yeah. don't want to get a therapist for Freddie. We don't want to let Freddie take a nap. We don't want to hug Freddie. We don't want to teach Freddie comfort and kindness. No, because you've made him a statistic to further your end goals and you're using it as a way for him to get out of a bad situation. I, um, disagree with everything that's happening here yeah i think there's this idea that this type of um i think there's a deeply racist yeah kind of justification for a lot of this behavior it's sort of this dehumanization that like freddie's not fully a person freddie's more of a monster so like in the same way that you would corral like i don't know like a bear is this is like it's like i have to treat Mm -hmm. you with like tough love and like talk to you like basically just be like heinous because that's the only way that it'll quote-unquote get to you and i feel like there's a lot of um yeah yeah and also this idea so no sorry keep going i was just gonna say and also this idea that like no one's gonna like you're you you could mess up this chance this is your one chance to get out if you mess this up it's your fault like it's very punitive you're like this guy has tried so hard for so long he doesn't need more tough love he needs a break and he needs someone who's invested in him for more than just because it's going to get you to some ceo position which the story does kind of hint at but i i don't there's not a lot of care for this kid and there's not a lot of care for what what he's dealing with anyway so he he's playing um he ends up like missing um like a big sponsorship deal with puma and and of course you know liz is like why did you do that you lost me all this money and and freddie doesn't even feel comfortable really telling her what's up with him and his friends and his life and mm-hmm. she's like you need to get your head in the game and and, and she they, the story frames it like this is them getting closer and getting more of a relationship of trust which i don't i don't know about that but Anyway, he <laughs> sure like I don't look. Uh, as you can all see, we kind of disagree with the premise. But what, wasn't it because like part of why he missed the deal was because like it, like some paparazzi came up to him and was like asking him about his past and like accusing him of like the battery that yeah. he like served time for and then Liz was, and he was like oh but like no one believes me I like I keep saying I'm innocent but no one believes me and then Liz was like oh well like I believe you granted she said it after he basically forced her to say it I don't know it was it was yes. kind of I, I yeah but like I think that was kind of why I was like oh like we are growing closer because like Liv Liz believes me in a way that like other people don't right and, but I don't know like part of me is like I don't even trust that you believe him I just trust that you I don't think know she does that either need someone to believe in him and exactly. then also like he was he was like along with the paparazzi like people 
he's getting a lot of respect in his community. People are really, you know, impressed by him. Like he bought his mom a house. He, he can take care of his siblings. So there's also that getting to his head. Anyway, so he plays the Knicks game. You know, he's a rookie and he manages to shoot the winning point in the basketball sports, sports, sports. You know, <laughs> sports happen. People sport it. I'm being facetious, but I even think there was like, I think just one basketball on the court, right? Like there wasn't three. Like it was just, yeah. Like I think <laughs> it was a single ball that went in a single hoop. Yes, correct. There were multiple mm-hmm. hoops. Five, right. six hoops. He shot it all. Each were shot into at some point, correct? Um, anyway, I even think that the play kind of glosses over, like, you know, the technicalities of basketball. But anyway, he wins the, the, the winning shot for the Knicks against the Heats. And he, 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 you know, whatever. Everyone's like, whoa, the crowd goes wild. And in the the like after after game interviews which i don't know why they do those i it seems a little weird that they're like you just played this intense game that it caused you a bunch of emotional and physical stress talk to us about it <laughs> like, this can't wait till tomorrow <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> anyway yeah. so and during the meeting they decide that it makes sense to bring up these assault and battery charges um and freddie freaks out again as we can see from the story this is kind of a sticking point for him and he you know gets rowdy ends up pushing coach jones when coach jones tries to like pull him off stage and that's the only thing the news the news yeah. you know media are talking about is this and honestly i can see the news media doing this because any show of like a black man acting with any type of like vigor or veracity like apparently just scares the white masses into just <laughs> the biggest of fears <laughs> all my lemonade stars and stripes <laughs> they might be coming for I'll us ju- next. Right, I'll just, i'm just so nervous i'm just clutching my pearls i'm, so I'm just i'm just I, what are we to do this oh. black man just so angry it's like he was loud <laughs> and <I felt> uncomfortable <laughs> And it was just... Anyway, so that's what happens. So anyway, that was Act 1. And Marcy, well, tell us about the rest of it. Yes. So, yeah. So Act 2 is um, basically... I mean, it's just kind of in a continuation of the bullshit. So, you know, after Freddie's interview that goes like very poorly where he pushed his coach like that's like the only thing the media sees that's like all the all that they're talking about right um and so essentially that we see like a moment where like he's like in a hotel room and he's like watching the news where they're like calling him like a thug and like all this other just like just racist by, by the way the terms like that thug racist as fuck just just friendly mm-hmm. reminder that's just mm-hmm. it's just literally racism but anyway so he's like watching the news and he's like, wow, that's literally wild. And then Liz like sneaks out of his like closet and is like, we can PR our way out of this. And Freddie was like, I'm <laughs> sorry, really how the fuck long were you in my closet? And she was like, I know exactly what we're going to do next. And Freddie was like, I'm sorry, I need you to answer the prerequisite questions because girl, how the fuck? Like, girl, I just took a shower. Like, did you see me naked? Like, what the? Like, anyway, so um, we're, we're, I guess we're glossing over that because Liz does whatever it takes to get the job done. Whatever. Anyway, so um essentially Liz is like don't worry I got you we're gonna do like an interview it's gonna totally work out um and essentially they have like a little tender moment where she's like it's all gonna be okay then there's like a subplot where we see that like Liz and Coach Jones like oh yeah link up and basically they like have dinner and it's like revealed that like the two of them have been fucking this whole time time. which is a mess like honestly Mm -hmm. like truly I have no words like I don't like it really came out of nowhere like just and I was like was it I'm sorry did this add any well, 
thing. I think it was supposed to show that like she's given up love for her career. You know, he was like, oh, yeah. I'm a good man and I just want to take care of you. I was like, what are we watching? What is this? Yeah. So basically, and yeah. She was like, like, I can't. I don't have time in my life. It was like a telenovela. I'm sorry. No, literally a telenovela. Because um, yeah, Coach Jones was like catching feelings. Liz was catching flights. She's like, Ryan got time for this. Um, <laughs> you, you seem like real. Like she's like, I, like, I just don't. You seem really pressed. I'm not pressed. Whatever. Next day, they all, so Coach Jones, Liz, and Freddie all go to the Barbara Flower Show, you know, just this Mm. this white woman and her talk show just to hopefully make things better. And the thing is, here was the plan. Everybody Mm. involved had a script. Coach Jones had a script. Liz had a script. Mm. Freddie had a script. Barbara Flowers, a script. Damn, girl, I had a script at this point. Everybody had a goddamn (laughs) script. It was like, (laughs) Barbara, you say it. By the crafts table, <laughs> looking at the script, being like, ooh, they took a whole left turn on page eight. Right. <laughs> like, while eating their sandwiches. <laughs> literally, I'm like, I'm like literally reading the script and I'm like, I know exactly how this conversation is going to go because there's a script. Look at God. <laughs> so basically, everyone has a script, right? So it all starts according to plan. They're like, whoop, whoop, mm. whoop, la, 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 Freddie, your life. Tell us about your past. Like, oh, yes, yes. you've experienced, like, fucked up institutional neglect. Oh, my God. Tell us more about mm. that as if this is an individual thing on you alone. And, like, it's not really a commentary on broader systems no. and like how we're just really <laughs> failing entire groups of people. But, like, yes, your right. individual story, yes. And so Freddie's like, yes, Barbara. And then at one point, Barbara's like, and just peak, like, peak white woman energy goes off the script again remember the script that all of us had she jo- she mm-hmm. goes jumps high off that shit yes. and basically starts bringing up freddie's past again like just out of mm. nowhere and essentially she's like bring it up and freddie's like well i did not do this like blah blah, blah. like you know I, I i she was like basically she was saying like well you served the time for this crime so clearly you did it and he was like well no like i didn't do it i just you know where i come from like we don't like snitch and stuff like that so barbara's snitch. like oh so like so you know who did it and then freddie's like what and she's like so are you an accomplice you're an accessory to this crime like you're saying you're innocent but it sounds like you're an accessory to the situation because it sounds like you know who did it and you're leaving that person's innocence out there so now they're just roaming the streets because you freddie are an accomplice and then freddie's like what the fuck and then she was like she's like you're letting super predators just super predator their way right (laughs) (laughs) and then literally she was like oh and by the way we got in touch with your mom in venezuela to get a comment actually and she said the following words and then freddie was like I ain't even gonna let you finish that sentence because you got right. me f- fully fucked up. So Freddie just completely well, also, goes. Just, just, just so we're clear, the, the mother, which the U.S. government decided to not allow to be around her children to raise them. That's the one who they somehow had the means and money to find. And another oh country felt no need to get her to the. No, that's fine. That's thank you for your that uselessness. I don't know. Anyway, Jesus Christ. Jesus. Um. But yeah, so Freddie just completely goes off. He like just, yeah, like he like lunges for her at some, at one point. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot. It's like a lot. And so Barbara is like, you know, like she's like, unrealistic get, too. What'd you say? It's just, it's kind of an unrealistic portrayal too. Anyway. Yeah. So. Like how many people do you know are going to lunge at someone in the middle of a f- an interview? Like, I think it's a little overplayed, but whatever. Continue. Yeah. So basically Barbara's like security and then all of them get kicked out. Um, mm-hmm. So then the next day, you know, Barbara's over here pressing charges. Liz is personally like, I need to like recover Freddie's image because like things are like not good. Like deals are dropping Freddie. The league is damn near about to drop Freddie. Like everybody's Uh like, oh, girl, Freddie Luna has got to go. And so 
Liz is like, I feel personally responsible for Freddie. I don't know. I care about him. I want things to work out. Like, I feel like we aren't really giving him a chance. Like, I feel like we just like mm. threw him into a very tenuous situation with like no real preparation and then like subjected to mm. him to all this like racism and PTSD. And like, we, we could be accountable, <laughs> but like, why would we do that instead? Why like, I, I just that? feel like we, we can just coach Freddie to be better. And then Candy's like, yeah. So Liz, um, <laughs> what's going to happen next? Because we only got about 20 more pages of this play. Um, I'm going right. to need you to, ch- Freddie's getting the chop, girl. Like, I don't know how to, like, I don't really know right. what to say to you but freddie's got to go and liz you got to be the one to tell him to go so that's what candy mm-hmm. says to her to be fair liz does not want to do this she wants to keep freddie no. she wants to like you know make things better but she does essentially she's like whatever i don't have a choice so she calls freddie she's like yeah girl it's a wrap and freddie's like well shit He's so, about to go to practice, too. Yeah, Liz is about to go to practice. And so, and mind you, like, everybody's dropping Freddie. So now inc- that's including Liz, the one person that he thought, you know, he could trust. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a little bit. Liz is given the CEO role of the Candy Agency. So Mr. Candy, I guess, finally decided to care about the family that he's had this entire time, <laughs> mind you, but just j- opted to now look up and be like, ah, yes, my family, I should care about these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. So now that Mr. Candy's gone, like, Liz is like, also, I'm sorry, Mr. Candy, every time I say the name, I just, I, whatever. It, uh, so. <laughs> Liz is now the CEO of the agency. So we're seeing her like welcoming ceremony and she's like giving a speech and like everyone's being like very like culturally white in the space. And then Gabby like bursts into the room and like runs on stage and like whispers something to Liz. Also, content warning. Um, there's about to be some yeah. mention of suicidal attempts. Just wanted to bring that up. So basically, I'm gonna pause. Okay. So basically, Gabby tells Liz that Freddie attempted suicide. And so Liz, you know, she leaves the ceremony. She goes to the hospital. Um, and she basically finds she finds out essentially that, you know, Freddie attempted suicide after kind of getting suspended from the league. His contract got terminated. You know, Liz also dropped him as, as, her, as his agent or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so she's like at the hospital. Um, she's talking to Coach Jones, and Coach Jones has like a has like a kind of like a I told you so moment. And Liz is like, "I'm sorry, bitch. Is this, is now the time? Like, is now the time? It's like, we like I need to make sure Freddie <laughs> survives." Um, so this happens is obviously very tragic. Um, mm-hmm. Fast forward more, and we see that Gabby is now basically promoted to the position that Liz was in. Um, so Gabby mm-hmm. like has her own office. She's like doing her thing. It's like right. subtly implied in some of the conversations that she's having on the phone that she's like becoming like Liz, which yikes. Yeah. Like I really hope that that doesn't happen, but whatever. But it will, right? Because Liz probably wasn't like Liz until she was under the tutelage of Mr. Candy. Yeah. So. Yeah. But um, violence. Yeah, I guess. So. Basically, yeah, so Liz visits Gabby one day in her office and is like, hey, Gabby, I'm actually starting my own agency um, and I really want you to be a part of this agency. You can have equity in the company, like competitive salary, like, girl, I got you. But like, yeah, like, I, like let's start our own shit. And like, Gabby was like, so Liz, respectfully, yeah, so respectfully, Liz, I know you really came all this way, but respectfully, I do decline. I do decline. Yes, I do decline. Um, mm-hmm. With all due respect, because um, you were verbally abusive, and uh, she didn't say all this, but basically she's like, um, no, and I'm like, thank God. For a second, I really thought Gabby was going to be like, okay, and I'm like, oh my God, please, please, do not, please do not join Liz at this fucking agency. Right. Anyway. That's true. Although, I don't know if her staying is her, like, it doesn't sound, like you said, the implication is that she's just... She's like, I don't like how you treated me, but I do like the power that you have. Like, kind of like this, like, there's a point mm. where it says it's good to be king. So it's like, 
she was like, you're coming for my job. And Gabby's like, low key, yes. I don't like myself being in this position of lessness, but right. I don't want the system to change. I just don't want to be in my status anymore. Anyway, mm. Yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah, so basically the play ends with Liz visiting Freddie in a psychiatric hospital. Um, and they start to, I guess, reconcile their relationship. Ugh. Yeah. Um, the end. Anyway, yeah, so that's like, <laughs> that's like how the play <laughs> ends. Um, I feel like we're both giving a very sort of like ennui energy right now. Um, so let's take a little <laughs> bit of a break. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll... <laughs> We'll come back with, we'll try yeah. to, you know, give a tempered response when we <laughs> Sounds good. See y'all in a bit. And we're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. I want to start off with praising the author and what she did really well because, you know, we still got love for the author and the hard work she's doing as obviously a Latino woman who's working in the industry. It's witty. The, 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 the play is witty. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the back and yeah. forth is funny. It's snappy. The characters come to life on the page a little bit. I think there's a little bit too much reliance on, on tropes. Like their, their past seems kind of like bullet points for their motivations rather than like a tapestry mm. of their character. But, mm. but, but, you know, for the most part, it's, it's snappy. It's witty. It's well-written. You've met, I've, we've met a Liz, we've met a Gabby, you know, if you've mm-hmm. lived, worked corporate America any amount of time, you've met these people. And and there is, and, and it's written in 2015. So for, you know, for parody, that's when Hamilton came out. So th- there's a critique mm-hmm. here. There is, I think there's trying to diversify the narrative of who exists in the corporate space and the struggles they face, but while still trying to fit it into like the res- a respectable or acceptable lens of what people want mm. of what our aspirations are and, and so i that that I, I totally get that perspective especially given the context of 2015 right um remember <laughs> the pandemic has not happened trump is not yet president we haven't all just realized that like laboring under a capitalist system will literally be the death of us all in our climatic demise but um <laughs> so with that context i get where she's coming from and and kind of trying to showcase what black women in corporate spaces can and oftentimes have faced. Probably, you know, it, it, this seems more reticent to me, like pre the housing crisis, right? Uh, maybe. And and to be fair, mm-hmm. Liz is in her 40s. So that's kind of her come up a, a era. She was kind of like a late gen. What's that generation? Between the baby boomers and millennials. Gen, gen Y. X. Gen X, I'm sorry, y'all. There's somebody out there who is mad. I apologize, but I, I get I get the, I get the perspective. Similarly to Hamilton, what we have to question the whole structure. You know, what's the what? what I, I I struggled with. I struggled with the the the. The point of her you know like i get that in the end she reformed but like when i was reading the beginning i was like you should know better at this point like you shouldn't be doing what you're doing right now so when you get to the end i i don't know i just i didn't 
I I I'm, I just didn't. I I feel like to come at it now, it, it's too costly for you to the change. It, what it took you to change is just a little too costly. And and I'm not mm-hmm. convinced you didn't know what you were doing at the beginning. Like, and maybe this is a lot of people. Maybe a lot of us are turning off part of our brains to do what we're doing until we reach a certain age, and then we turn it back on and realize what we've done, and now it's too late. Maybe that's actually an accurate description of a lot of people, and that's where this mm-hmm. play is coming from. And, and if, if that's the case, maybe this is a warning, a, a really good warning to society about the cost of what you're doing. And, you know, fine, mm-hmm. I'll take it. But for mm-hmm. me, I was like, I don't know, maybe I've met enough Liz's that I was just kind of like internally, like I was in my own feelings or something. <laughs> that's real. Oh, listen, listen. So, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's real. I, to your point, I, I thankful, I mean, actually, I'm not even going to preface anything. I, I don't know, child. Gabby's character, I I just, I was so bothered. I was like, y'all are yeah. really just blatantly disrespecting this woman. Like, y'all are just mm-hmm. walking into rooms, not even addressing her. Like, acting like she's invisible. She says shit, no one responds. Like, it's just, right. it's really interesting because I think what I, what, what I will say that I really appreciate it. And, and, and oh, okay, so let, let me just be clear. I, to your point, Aga, I do actually appreciate a lot of, elements of this um yeah i, I feel think. like there's i think there's a commentary here that I, I i'm glad was kind of picked up i'm not sure if it was intentional but that's not really my place to say if it was or not but one thing i liked about the play in particular just with the character dynamics is that it kind of nuanced this idea of like i i feel like there's this idea that like if a workplace becomes more you know racially diverse for instance and that's automatically mm-hmm. going to equate to a culture that yes. like doesn't assume or center whiteness which is like literally not true not right true. and like and it's yes. like we see this case in point with Liz it's like you <laughs> are in this position of power and you are you know perpetuating a lot of the same kind of white supremacist patriarchal ideas mm-hmm. against Gabby talking about, I don't like your tone and like all this other, you know, like, like just being very right. much like, like I used to think that, Oh, if, if there are people like me in the workplace that they'll like kind of look out for me and it's like, Oh girl, no. And oftentimes, yeah. honestly, to even get to a place of leadership, there needs to be to some degree uh, an assuming of, of yeah. whiteness or an, assum- or, or an, or an acclimation, to- sorry, or an assum- assimilation into a culture where yeah. you then are the one perpetuating the violence, but it's like because your skin color is different, then it's like, oh well, we can still like use you as like a as like a yes. token of progression on our own us the institution side, but like ultimately the way you are showing up is still in favor yes. of those who are already been in power. You know what I mean? So like it's yeah, I feel like that nuance I really appreciated, and and I think with Gabby's character, it was just so salient because I think even wasn't Mister Candy also black? Like I, it was just I believe so. Yeah, it was very interesting that I was like huh we got all these black people in power and this the kind of culture we made like and maybe yeah honestly Marcy, talking to you more i think i'm actually um, i think the 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 play made me so upset because it was you're right it's like getting at something that's really we do experience you know especially like with older generations in the Mm -hmm. workplace kind of being like you know you need to work twice as hard to get half as much like and they're saying stuff mm-hmm. like, you know, well, you got to show up and you got to be better than all these people. And and almost like being like, well, I'm not going to come and protect you if you mess up. Like, I'm not responsible for, mm-hmm. for you. It's almost separating themselves. I mean, like, well, I'll let you fall. Or even this kind of, um, what's it called? Like, only tokenism. Like, only one of us can survive. Yeah, or like, exactly. And I, some, sometimes I even think, yeah, it's it's 
that's what I mean. It becomes like an act, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I cut you off, but you're totally right. Like, and then, and then in the same space, and it's probably like salient that they chose sports to do this, or she, mm-hmm. the, the author chose sports, is this commodity, the continuous commodification of a community, right? Like, mm. you are also c- commodifying this young right. man. Um, right. You know, and, and, and yeah, sorry, continue. Oh, sorry. No, I, I just want to say really quickly, I, I, I love what you're saying right now because it, it was so, <laughs> I was like, honestly disgusted with how they talked about Freddie. Like just in, yeah. in these meetings, like whenever, you know, when Liz and Mr. Candy were talking about like, oh yeah, like, you know, troubled past. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like dad died because of gun violence. Like it was very like, they were just breaking him down into these sort of archetypal yes. shortcuts as of a person. It's like, mm-hmm. or like they only saw him as like a sob story, quote unquote, where I'm like, this is someone's entire life. Like, I'm sorry. Like I, this isn't like a chess piece in your fucking, like, I don't know, game to like, Gain, get get a bit more coin girl like this is someone's mm-hmm. entire life right now like and you're you you're literally breaking them down i mean this is literally yeah. tokenism right like you're like you're yeah. literally dehumanizing this person to the extent that they are simply one thing or like just one experience and like you're using this as like you see him as like a sympathy card or you see him yes. as like a weird like fucking it's like oh he adds something kind of spicy to the mix and i'm like this yeah. is not how you treat people people <laughs> this is, and yeah, I, I've been this person. I've been this person spaces where, and it's so, what's so odd about it is one, you'll be talking to someone, words are coming out of your mouth. And the person, I don't know where, I don't know, they're on Jupiter, Saturn, some other planet, but it's not this one. You're in dimension six, seven, eight, nine, on. or 10. I don't know. But the words that came out of right. my mouth and the words that you heard, completely different. Like, absolutely there's, not. There's the somewhere near like. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and it's only when you 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 kind of get angry or, you know, mm-hmm. irritated. And it's only after like I, I've had people come back and apologize for their behavior, too. But at that point, you're looking at them like, what in God's green earth made you sell your humanity? Because that's what Liz mm. comes to terms with at the end of this. It takes Freddie almost dying for her to realize that she sold something way more important than money. Mm. It's not it's not marrying Coach Jones, because Lord knows if that would have been a good idea or not. I don't know. But Please, God, no one in not, this situation get married. <laughs> Jesus. Right. It's not that she gave up a children and having a, a family for money. You know, it's not that stuff that's the problem. Mm. It's it's that loss of that tactile human connection between two mm. people so that you would decide that this 19, you guys could play chess with a 19 year old and and this is mm. not obviously just Liz this is a lot of the older generation playing chess with children like yeah. that's a lot of what that's what a lot of what war is like yeah. that's a lot of what yeah. all these things are like yeah. and and this is what I mean where capitalism and colonialism and, and the oppressions of the world are not so different right if it look mm-hmm. if something bears the same fruit it's the same tree okay Ooh, y'all? like on. let's be real about it and I, I think I'm sorry I didn't realize this this was going to sh- give me such a visceral reaction, but I think it it does because you know I Freddie that that that's probably a lot of people. A lot of people end up leaving a job or end up in a situation, you know. And I, I can't even imagine when you're a woman, non-binary, queer, like mm-hmm. the devastation of a lost quote an opportunity, and the fact that everyone puts it on you. Like <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a lot, y'all. Like. 
and just to come back and be like, now I can sit here and be your comfort. That gives that's it's feeling. Give me the keys, Rose. Like mm. it's just, it's just like I don't, I don't know. I don't know. May obviously Liz probably. I think the idea she got her whole humanity. I don't know. Maybe I'll throw the question to you. Do you think Liz got her humanity back? Do you think there was a redemption? Here? I don't know. I'm trying. I, I'm trying. <laughs> so I'm I'm so I'm very conflicted, right? Because I think. It's interesting because I think Liz, people like Liz really frustrate me (laughs) because it's like, Liz, at this point, I mean, you've already won. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I mean, at one point she was literally flexing about like how she made, I don't think she individually, but I think she like for the league or whatever made like $900 million. She has like a summer home in the Hamptons, like, you know sky ride like a high rise over fucking some expensive ass part of manhattan you know like just like clearly has coin for days right right so it's like am i mad at you deciding you know what this is i i can't do this this is terrible i i should like do something else or like i should be like more humane in my own practices like i'm not mad at that but also like no. you have exploited so many goddamn people. people to, to get, get to this here. point and there's it seems like I don't know. I it it's it frustrates me when people like that who've leveraged who've utilized power as a justification to like be abusive get to reap the benefits of that, take all this financial capital. And Liz, at the end of the day, honey, you did not have to work at all. Like you no. could have quit your job and been like, I'm good, actually. I actually have made enough money right. to like just vibe for the rest of my life. So like you deciding, okay, like I guess I'm just gonna start my own agency now and like, you know, maybe be slightly less abusive. I'm just like, okay, this yeah. isn't like this doesn't feel like actual like an actual remedy to harm and like i don't know even like the whole exchange of gabby was weird because it's like i mean yes you're apologizing but then you're also trying to enlist gabby's labor in your agency like you see her again as a commodity because you knew that she was high performing even though she was being in an extremely abusive dynamic you know it's like i i don't I just don't really respect it if I'm being honest. Like, like yeah, and, and maybe that sounds I, yeah. harsh, but like I just no, I, I'm with you. I, I I can't fully. I'm I'm not against the idea of changing your mind, but I just it I, it doesn't feel like. How much did you change? And and again, this it, isn't just exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't. It's not just. This isn't just like Liz as a black woman because I feel like black women get the most flag for not being moral about things. I, I've seen the Liz character across all all races frankly and all right, genders right. And especially right. with this like girl boss narrative which is perpetuated a lot in like the white feminist capitalist space mm-hmm. of like well if a man did it, it would be okay so it's okay if i do it. it's like oppression doesn't need to <laughs> being oppressed you could be yes you could also yeah. be a terrible person you're correct <laughs> As another Correct. human, you could also be terrible. So I, I don't right. want to like, you know, be like, this is just like a black woman. And frankly, I've I've, I've seen it pretty evenly across the board. <laughs> frankly, yeah. across people, probably maybe a little more, honestly, from non-black people. But I, yeah. I it, it's it's. It's it's like you said, I just don't respect it. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't. I don't have. You, 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 <laughs> At the end of the day, you can't go back and fix all the lies that you bulldoze through on your way to the top, right? You exactly. want to climb this ladder, 4D chess, moving in silence, <laughs> get to the top. No one can touch me. I'll fuck over anybody to get to the top. I'll right. lie. I'm I'll not cheat. Here to make like, friends. fuck y'all. I'm not here to make 
friends, bitch. Like, just all that. Like, I just, I'm uh, asked, I guess, right. But the question <laughs> is, like, America, the, in the U.S., we're very lonely. Like, we talked about this in another mm-hmm. episode. So, like, why you, these two things exist in our culture, loneliness plus this hyper-individual you know, screw everyone over on the way to your individual success. Mm-hmm. Mr. Candy hasn't seen his family in 30 years. He can't even remember if he named his kid after Liz or not. Literally. Yeah, he has to tell him. <laughs> like, this is, uh, I, I guess I'm just asking, what are we trading for? Like, what yeah. are we trading for? And I'm not, look, no one is trying to knock anyone for a good life, even a comfortable life. Hell, I won't even I won't even come at you for a luxurious life. But what I do know is Liz didn't have to ruin Freddie's life. Did that not. she did not have to do. She right. could have been patient. She had, a, in fact, she was by the end of it when she's trying to make up for everything. She's neglecting her other clients and their huge million dollar deals. Like mm-hmm. this is what I mean by capitalism as a philosophy. When it gets to the point that you don't even know the plot anymore, that it's just about the the coin right. coming in. Then you've lost something precious, in yeah. my opinion, and 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 I'm re- I'm not saying that from my high horse, I'm saying that from from mm-hmm. you know no horse, <laughs> I have no horse. I'm just standing in right. the crowd with all of y'all. <laughs> I'm just sitting on, <laughs> in the grass. <laughs> maybe a soapbox, you know, maybe, but you know. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I don't have. Again, I'm not coming for the author. I think the author wrote a great yeah. piece. We obviously. Maybe this is what the conversation she wanted us to have. No, <laughs> exactly. This visceral response is what she wanted. So, yeah. you know, if so, kudos, kudos. Cause, no, absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, shit, it makes me, I, I, I'd be curious to actually see this live, like as like the actual, you know, mm. <clears throat> like enacted as the play. Um, yeah. But no, Aga, I, I completely, that's you. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, I think the other piece, the other nuance here is that like, <sighs> I mean, it seems like, a trope but it also is kind of real to life is that i think what really frustrated me was that to your point <laughs> it took freddie nearly dying yeah. for there to be this awakening of like oh yeah like i have been actually terrible it's funny i've literally talked to actual people like in, in, in my work life who've talked about having similar pasts where like they fucked people over and like were shitty and then like a situation like this relating to death or illness or something that kind of like wakes them up. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. because I'm always like, how sustainable is that though? Right. Cause it's like, obviously in the immediate aftermath, you're very affected by this, but like how long does it, I'm sorry, is this, is this change going to be sustainable? Is this like a, like a fundamental philosophical shift or is it like a, yikes, what happened to Freddie was like really bad. Like, yeah. And then after a few months, like we just go back to the same toxic behavior. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, and, right. and to your point earlier, it's like, I, I feel like I'm just out here trying to make it can only be a justification for so long. Right. Like you yes, have like fucking eight summer homes. All of y'all are rich as shit. Literally have more than enough money. I'm sorry. How is Gabby being underpaid? in this institution right. please it just explain make to any me sense. gabby is about to be out here without a home and y'all are over here with eight homes like i just i'm so <laughs> y'all have just, as many what? homes like, as just, i just hoops. like that like <laughs> like literally <laughs> y'all got more <laughs> more homes than like teams in the league girl like i just like right. than players in the league shit like i'm just like y'all <laughs> over here bankroll it it's just like this whole right. i'm trying to make it and then like i don't know i yeah it it's, becomes a platitude. It becomes exactly. an empty platitude. Yeah. It's a it's, it's a platitude where it's like y'all are living in excess, and it's like and, and to your point earlier, like you know, I I think 
I think specifically when it comes to, you know, things like, you know, especially like a black capitalist philosophy or like, you know, demonstrations, like I think it's easier for, or not easier, but I think there is a certain, I mean, racism, right? Like people are just more critical, like of, of things that white people yeah. just do or that men just do. Right. And so like, I don't want to like become a further next because, you know, and, and give, make it seem like it's giving that. But like, I do think there is a piece where I'm just like, to your point, like y'all just lost the plot. And like, and, and it's interesting because it makes me. It really just makes me, I think this play really just made me look at workplace dynamics and just how so much of it mm. is also just in how complicit people are too, right? Yeah. Like, yes, you have yeah. like a Liz or a Candy that is like an abusive person, but like a lot of situations where like people, like, I mean, just everybody was just overlooking Gabby, like literally just like treating her yeah. like she didn't exist. And like, that was just like a, like if you weren't the one who was enacting the harm, you were at least complete, you were witnessing the harm Ooh, and saying nothing about it, yes. or you were just being complicit in it too. And it's like, and it just yeah. makes me think about how oftentimes I think, and, and yes, r- rightfully, I think when we talk about like what it means to be in a in a in, in an abusive or toxic workspace, I think the leadership is is an important place to really start. But we also need to really look at ourselves too, right? Like, in what ways are we choosing fear and choosing yeah. inaction when we know that what's happening is wrong, it's wrong. And, and, and oftentimes overestimating the actual risk. To, yes. to to us actually speaking up, right? Like I think mm-hmm. people assume if I say something, and, and this is the part that I don't think a lot of people would say this, but I think people know that, okay, well, at least if this person's the scapegoat, at least if this person's the target, I'm safe this week, right? Like I don't yes. have to worry. Like I'm like, I'm good, like better them than me, right? And so yeah. in that there's, there it's like we're in, in, I think a lot of these people wouldn't, I mean, ideally that wouldn't be happening at all, but I think for them, it's like, okay, well shit, at least it's a little bit of a buffer. No one's really looking at me if this person is, you know, yeah. the one on the chopping block. So it's just like, that's something that I'm also like, yikes. And it's funny because I don't know and where I work. We talk a lot about like, work. We, we talk a lot about like things like workplace allyship and like shit like that. And I'm like, I, I feel like that's just not like real. <laughs> like, like I feel like in a lot of places, like it's just not a thing. Like, it, or, or like yeah. to really get to a point where, where that's actually happening. Like there's a lot of work that needs to get done before that. Like we, like it's just, yeah. <sighs> anyway, I, I think yeah. you're so right about the scapegoat, but I, I do, I, I've, I have been the scapegoat. <laughs> um, I too have been I the have, scapegoat. I am currently yeah. the scapegoat. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, the person hiding behind the scapegoat thing, whether people really hiding behind the scapegoat or not saying anything, think that they're, they're not losing their, their humanity. Like, it's kind of like if a bully is bullying someone and I'm not bullying them. I didn't do anything. So I'm not losing any of my humanity. In fact, I'm justifiably afraid of the bully. I get to the point where you're mm. like, the bully becomes less and less like tangible. And your fear, and in fact, in and of itself is the violence. Mm. Because you, you've, you've lost part of your your humanity. And now you you have this fear of this kind of like ethereal like someone will you know like this Mm -hmm. i I guess what i'm saying is if you start on that trend just like we're saying with the gulf you're it it becomes who you are it's it's not like you can turn it off when you finally get to the top or whatever you're just gonna you know that that becomes your personality at a certain point um i don't know i just (laughs) I think people need to be more careful with how much they trade their humanity. Like, really, I think we really got to think more intentionally. But, you know, to end this on a lighter note, Marcy, not a lighter note, but like a (laughs) a revolutionary one. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the type of workplace that would inspire 
happiness? Uh, I love this question so much. Well, first of all, it just, I think there needs to be at the center of any workplace, just like a culture of care. And like, and it's not even to say, because I, I, I hate when people are like, we're a family, like, blah, 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 girl, we're, we're like, no, we're here to do <laughs> a job, not. right? Like, like, I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. But I think at the end of the day, regardless, base, there needs to be an acknowledgement that like, for a lot of us, we're working like for at least half the day <laughs> or yeah. if not half the yeah. day, like we're all most, most of the day because of, because of preparing for work and things like that. Right. And so it's like, because of that, let's be accountable to the way that we treat each other at the end of the day, like sure there may be a job to do or like we're working towards a certain thing but like that doesn't come before our health and Mm -hmm. us as individuals and us as a group and as a team like we need to be accountable to one another and like how we like show up so i think first of all why are we working five days a week that's late so i'm like (laughs) automatically we should be working like i mean four even three i I wouldn't be opposed to that really less than we don't work yeah like let's just work less like literally let's just work like or work when we need to work right and if there's no work to do there's just no work to do right right like we (laughs) also just not labor (laughs) like why are we making work like so much of being at work is people making work and it's so absurd like girl just collect the check anyway whatever um but like yeah so first of all we'd be working way less yeah hours would be six hours at the most mandatory breaks um Mm starting off any sort of gathering with just like setting intentions, meditation, like just some kind of space where it's like, let's really just like check in. And I think there's, there just needs to be a culture where I'm allowed to true. Like people are just allowed to express themselves. However they express themselves. I think one of the most harmful things is that we well, normalize. Just remember that there's a lot of races. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. A lot of homophobic people who also wish to express themselves respectfully express right right yeah that I'm, I'm assuming like a certain um we are like aligned here but like yeah obviously yeah. like if you're like if you're like fucking racist girl you're not working here i'm sorry like this, this is just not happening yeah whatever. that's a fair um, point so <laughs> so to that end um yeah i think there i think something that we often normalize but like shouldn't be is this idea that like everything has to be like, I have to code switch or I have to like translate everything. I can't say how I truly feel about something or I can't express my hesitations. Mm. It's like, we really should just move away from that altogether. Truly fuck all of that. Like, like professionalism shouldn't have like a very specific voice or cadence or like have like a somewhat, what we codify to be like an educated quote unquote dialect. It should just be people coming together to achieve a certain mission and a certain goal. And so like, however you express yourself is how you express yourself, girl, that's fine. Like it it doesn't have, if you want to have a code of conduct, like, oh, we, you know, maybe we don't get into people's personal lives because we don't want people to feel obligated to share. You know, if you want to have codes of conduct, right? that's cool. But that shouldn't necessitate someone having to learn a whole new vernacular just to get through the exactly. workforce. Exactly. Exactly. So very that. Um, and yeah, really, it would just look like us just. I think I think institutional reflection needs to constantly be happening i feel like in the same way that personally i i I think it's important that we reflect a lot like i think the same thing needs to be going on institutionally because i think a lot of places maybe start off feeling more aligned or feeling more Mm. you know worker oriented and then maybe as people as as things grow or whatever like the culture just shifts and like no like we like we need to always kind of maintain like okay is this living up to what the values are, what the code of conduct is, the agreements that we set as a group, right? Like, um, 
And if that's not the case, then like, okay, well, let's let's actually have that conversation. Let's I make think it something that way. Right. And and not in a performative, like, oh, let's make, are we living to our values? Oh yeah, we are. Um, we're good. Like no, none of that. Like actually be receptive <laughs> to the fact that like, okay, things actually might be shifting and like, let's, let's shift that shit back. Right. Or like, let's decide, yeah. okay, what's a new, more aligned place to be now that like, you know, the people, the input has now shifted because there's different people here. Right. And so that's something I'm just thinking about a lot. Um, and yeah. also too, I'm here for just like worker owned institutions, like an anti hierarchical type of space. Like we're really just like allowing us, ourselves to just all mutually contribute. Um, yeah, I think, and, and even just having like a very because because also too, leadership can be helpful. But even in that idea yeah. that like leadership is static, right? Like it's it's something that's rotational. It's something that we we allow ourselves to all like I think we should be more fluid in how we think of like what power looks like like, and and even also deconstructing this idea that like power like those who are in quote-unquote positions of power or like what we code to be like as like the leaders are the only ones that matter Mm -hmm. because like that's I mean that doesn't even make any sense like a leader like truly doesn't like a leader is more dependent on a follower because like if you have nobody girl who are you leading you know what I mean so like it's just so there? so I think with that, there should also be like that rotational sense of like, we are all mutually coming together to to be a part of this. And so so yeah. this is, I'm not going to gatekeep this, even if I may be the one who maybe originally came up with this idea, like I'm not going to be, I'm, this isn't mine, this is ours. So is ours. to that end, let's all like, let's all show up here, right? So, so that's what it would look like for me. What about mm. you, friends? For me, first, I think, kind of moving away from capitalism if we're imagining i think i think work needs to have less control over an individual so like in the u.s your health care is part of your job <laughs> you know there's no universal basic income so basically we're all just like serfs to the feudal lords of our jobs yeah. and they dictate where frankly before the pandemic where you could live is still mm-hmm. now actually where you can live you know mm-hmm. what health services you have your freedom of movement and it's kind of absurd right i i think if capitalism is going to stop being king capitalism cannot have so much control over an individual there should mm-hmm. people should be able to Real. leave their job without falling into destitution that's absurd um and they shouldn't be penalized for having social services because that's the point right that's then we decenter capital because capital does not equal survival so that's Mm. one thing um this is why like you know like a healthy labor union more like labor laws anti antitrust laws which is like basically like anti-monopoly laws are are so important and need to be fleshed out in the U.S. They've been, quite frankly, they've been cut short in a lot of ways and and mm-hmm. truncated so that they have less and less effect. You know, the labor movement of the early 20th century was, frankly, violently, <laughs> violently mm-hmm. shut down by the U.S. government. Um, and so and and stuff like that. So so my first thing is decentering capital as our social philosophy is is one of the biggest things which does not mean that no one does any labor <laughs> like like no mm-hmm. obviously we have to all labor to survive <laughs> like we can't do nothing all day but the idea that us not working under this hierarchy system that's hyper vigilant means that no one would want to do things with our lives is like absurd right and it's not even like capital pays for like capitalism equates the people doing the most social good (laughs) having the most 
pay like teachers aren't paid well (laughs) clearly we are we've got something wrong so that's one thing i think the other thing is to your point about power i think a lot of people separate power from responsibility that cannot happen like the power and the responsibility have to go together so if you're in a situation it's your responsibility the the leadership means more than power leadership is a responsibility the power should Mm -hmm. flow from the responsibility not the other way around you can't just i think there's too much an idea of power as being able to tell people what they should do all the time and have them do it with no consequence Mm -hmm. or consideration for their time and a realistic expectation that that's that's not that's the power without responsibility is just exploitation. Oof. And I think that's what we're working with in a lot of situations. I, I think we've been miseducated. I think mm. a lot of people don't know what it means to be a leader. I, mm. I, I agree with your point about hierarchy. <laughs> what if you had a situation where everyone could bring their best ideas and their best autonomous way of thinking about things mm-hmm. to to a situation? And everyone felt like, it's more like a team, you know, like, and everyone right. felt like if I, and I don't mean team, I know people be using team in a destructive way, but I mean, like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, Susan, Susan's really good at this. Like, that's Enrique, Enrique's really good at this, you know, Stephanie's really good at this. And mm-hmm. all of them were given the trust um, that they can do it <laughs> mm-hmm. without being micromanaged. Like, how right. much better could people create in those spaces i i think a lot better um and i would love to see that and in fact i don't even think it's purely imaginative there are worker owned (laughs) places they are working and run Mm -hmm. well there are people fighting for labor Mm -hmm. unions and so i I guess i'm i'm pushing us i i hope that this episode is pushing us to imagine more and you know uh <laughs> mm-hmm. Fernanda, don't think we came for your book too hard. Like we respect, um, obviously, the work you put out there and and your hard mm-hmm. work. So I always get worried because we're, we're always reading about people of color and queer folks. I don't want, obviously, like we have all the love in the world, or else we wouldn't be reading these books. So I don't. And and y'all can let us know if, if this is not what's happening. But like, I don't think we came <laughs> off as like, oh, we didn't like this. I think both of us are yeah. kind of like, it, it just brings up a lot, right? It's, it it and does. A lot of it is upsetting, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's not to say that, I mean, certainly I respect the work. And I, if, if that wasn't clear, then to, I mean, to anyone listening, I mean, yeah, respect the fuck out of this. Yeah, I mean, shit. I mean, look yeah. at this conversation. That wouldn't have been able to happen unless... <laughs> Without, we read yeah. this piece that that clearly resonated enough for us to you know think deeply about it. It's true. I'm clearly just anxious. And if you are, anxious, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> We're going to the outro. Yeah, you can tell us on Twitter at the Color Pages, or send us a picture of your most anxiety ridden face at Instagram at the Color Pages. You also hate your job? Shoot us an email. These Color Pages at gmail.com. You need a break and want to scroll through a meeting that you weren't really paying attention to? These clubpages.com. There you go. Mm. See what's happening over there. And uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. And if this show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, yes, please feel free to leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast, which mm. could be Apple Podcasts or not. <laughs> but um i mean if you are listening on apple Podcasts, though i know i just said or not but if you are listening on apple Podcasts, like okay so i'm not even gonna hold you not for nothing listen come on facts we have 49 ratings and reviews as of this recording that's 50 true. is right 
there. 50 is right so there. Close. Right there. We are so close. Delicious. So like, close. if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, honey, if you could please just leave us on like a five star, we would just make a fake account and then star us. Listen, <laughs> steal your friend's phone and leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts and then return it to them. Or, I don't know, throw it in a lake, something, whatever you choose to do next, right? That would really, really help us a lot too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but also, I mean, to to that end, um, if you actually know someone in your life where you're like, you know what this, you know, you know what you need in your life, like a like a sports, like basketball, sports, like mm. capitalism, workplace mm. discussion, like whatever you got from this, <laughs> feel free to just send them this episode, sure. literally no context, and then again, make sure you steal their phone to leave us some ratings and then return it. To them. <laughs> don't 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 just steal it. That that would be mean. Um, and oh yeah. Anyway, so next time I think what are we doing? Oh yes. Okay. So next time we will be. I think next time is actually the end of the summer short series. If I <gasps> remember correctly. Yeah, I think I next right. episode is going to be our last one. And okay, so laugh or nothing, we actually do know what we're going to be talking about next time (laughs) i I feel conflicted about just randomly saying this last episode though was just because i'm like we literally did not do that at all this time so we're going to still keep it a surprise (gasps) but we're also going to say too that we may be joined by a little (gasps) guest so stay tuned stay tuned and then next episode just want to preview this we also have a little bit of an announcement as well um Good things, yes. good things, but you know, just just wanted to give you all a little bit of notice of of that coming forward. So make sure you tune in just to hear what, what is going on. But Woo. between now and then, Aqua, are there any other things we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just you know, until we meet again, remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.